0: your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com.
1: In this episode of the For the Love of the Game Show is brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online would like to wish you a happy new year and a happy betting new year as we continue our march to the playoffs, NFL playoffs, and beyond. Bet Online remains the number one spot for all your sports wagering action in 2022. We've got NFL playoffs coming up this weekend. We've got NBA, we have NHL, we have UFC. We're going to have baseball maybe this year. Who knows? There's still a lockout, but who knows? But Bet Online is the best place for all your sports wagering action. Now, just for the record, I was 11 and 4 in my picks against the spread last three weeks of NFL. Just, just a thought going into the playoffs, so maybe we'll get hot. And I place my wagers at Bet Online. Sign up now and get your free 50% welcome bonus if you use the promo code Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. Promo code BLEAVE. Get your 50% welcome bonus. Bet online where the game starts. With that said, episode 139, for the love of the game. Let's work.
0: Hey,
1: hey. Hold on. Only rapper to rewrite history without a pen. No ID on the track. Let the story begin. begin. Yeah. This is anti-autotune, death for the ringtone. This ain't for iTunes, this ain't for single long. This is Sinatra at the opera. Bring a blonde, preferably with a fat ass who can sing a song wrong. This you know what it thing. is, episode one thirty-nine. Welcome back, everybody. For the love of the game on the Believe Podcast Network with your boy Aaron Tobin. Has ATH back in the studio, back behind the mic. What's happening, everybody? A lot to discuss. So The conclusion of the NFL season. And we're going to talk a lot about what's going on in the NFL. A little week 18 recap. We're going to talk about the uh, playoffs. We're going to preview the playoffs coming up. And I'm not going to talk about what the Giants are doing right now because I'm going to save that for later. So just hold that thought. But as you can probably tell, I'm not too thrilled. Not too thrilled. So what happened in week 18? Well, here are two major, major Highlights from week 18. Number one, the Indianapolis Colts were 16-point favorites playing against the lowly Jacksonville Jaguars. They needed to win to clinch their playoff spot. Everybody was showing Jonathan Taylor a lot of love, and he had a great season, but they were talking about him being a potential MVP candidate. Carson Wentz who up and down, I'm not a huge fan, but some people are like, oh, he's not that bad. Well, he hadn't thrown an interception on the road all season. The Jacksonville Jaguars apparently had quit. They just lost and given up over 50 points to the Patriots the week before. The Colts are going to have no problem. They're going to clinch it. They're going to be a dangerous playoff team come playoff time, right? A team that nobody wants to see. With the ability to control the ball with Jonathan Taylor and their defense. And what do you know? They get absolutely steamrolled by the Jacksonville Jaguars, who have the number one pick for the second year in a row. That Jacksonville Jaguars team, just incredible. And Carson Wentz, as I mentioned, no interceptions on the road, throws multiple interceptions and bad interceptions, and they lose. Big 26 to 11 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Trevor Lawrence, the much hyped number one pick, no best QB prospect in a long time. Somebody I'm still high on. I know they had a crazy year this year. Comes out, plays like the number one pick and the Colts go from a potentially dangerous playoff team to sitting their ass at home. And it looks like the Carson Wentz experience is over. Just unbelievably tough. If you're a Colts fan to stomach, this just so tough. So, so tough. I mean, this is a choke job of epic, epic proportions. And I'm not saying that Frank Reich should be out as coach there, but man, this is like, this shouldn't sit well with anybody in that organization. So tough look for the Colts. And the second big thing, big takeaway was after the Colts lost, and this Pittsburgh Steelers won, Ben Roethlisberger still doing it somehow. We had a situation where the Sunday night game between the Chargers and the Raiders, if they tied both those teams, were going to go to the playoffs and Pittsburgh was going to be out. I am I was joking with multiple, multiple people about a kneel fest for 60 minutes. Ensure the tie. Just to uh, just to get into the playoffs, I think it would have been hilarious. I think the TV partners would have freaked out. It just would have been so, so great. But what ended up happening is it was an incredible game. An incredible, incredible game between two teams that were trying to win and almost ended up in a tie anyway, right? Almost ended up in a tie. The game goes into overtime. The Chargers are down 15 points with like two minutes left and Justin Herbert – who you know i said that i'd take joe burrow over justin herbert i still believe that to be the case but that doesn't mean that justin herbert isn't awesome cuz he is and he showed why he was awesome leading two late touchdown drives got the two point conversions tie game we go into overtime the teams exchange field goals raiders got the ball first so they kicked their field goal first so now the raiders have to move the ball to at least run out the clock right cuz it's only a 10 minute overtime period and then brandon staley coach for the chargers calls a weird timeout with a minute 30 left where it really looks like the Raiders are just trying to run out the clock. You saw a video in the huddle afterwards that one of the guys on the Raiders told Austin Eckler of the chargers that they were just trying to run out the clock, punt the ball and aim for a tie. What ends up happening? He calls this weird timeout, stops the clock. Raiders run a play with Josh Jacobs gets a big chunk of yards and they kick a field goal at the end of the game. And the Raiders go to the playoffs and the chargers are sent home and Pittsburgh sneaks in just incredible, incredible stuff. Like, I don't know why he's calling that timeout. Ryan Russillo did a rant about this, that maybe he didn't know what was happening. He was trying to get his better run stuffers on the field. But I I just feel like it doesn't matter. Just play with who you have because all you have to do is let the clock run and you go to the playoffs. Just maddening, maddening stuff from that uh, perspective. Uh, Brandon Staley is just a weird guy. And this is just like typical chargers. Whatever could go wrong for the chargers goes wrong. It's year in and year out the same cycle, an incredibly talented roster. Look at who the guys that they have up and down the roster, pro bowler running back in Austin Eckler, pro bowl wide receiver, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams had a really good year. Justin Herbert, leading vote getter at quarterback for the pro bowl. All right. He's awesome. Awesome. Right. Joey Bosa, Derwin James, all these guys are, are all pro talents and they still manage to not make the playoffs. It's year in and year out with this team, just incredible, incredible stuff. And I'm going to give myself a quick pat on the back before we transition picks against the spread in my last 15, I went 11 and four. So we're trending upwards. So who knows? Now that there's legalized gambling, sports gambling in the state of New York, when I head back, maybe the playoffs will be kind to yours truly. Who knows? We'll find out in a little bit. That's some quick NFL thoughts to close out the regular season. We're going to bring on a recurring guest to talk about the playoffs, a little bit about the Giants in just a matter of moments. Just a quick shout out to the New York Rangers. Playing awesome hockey still. Got three All-Stars in the All-Star game. Adam Fox. Artemi Panarin and Chris Kreider. I don't know how Shostakin wasn't named as a goalie, but whatever. I thought Mika Zibanejad had a chance, but apparently he came on too late. But kudos to them; they're playing really good hockey. They're second in their division. Let's keep it going, New York Rangers. And of course, the one game I go to when I'm down here in the 3:05, they have like their worst showing. You can't even script it. It's just unbelievable. Unbelievable with me and my teams this year and the record, the personal record I have. It's, it's outrageous. Some quick NBA thoughts though, before we get into tonight's guest. First, Joel Embiid is on an absolute tear. All right. He became the third sixer in history with Will Chamberlain, and Allen Iverson to score 30 points in six straight games. He's on an absolute tear. His package of skills is legit terrifying he's seven one handles like a guard can shoot off the bounce like a guard and is the most guaranteed low post bucket in the league from the center position guys his size shouldn't be doing what he's doing on a basketball court it's wild it's absolutely wild the clips of him the highlights you see him on twitter it's not normal all right there's a clear top five in the NBA. I said there was a clear top four. It was Durant. It was Giannis, not in that order, It was Steph, and it was Jokic. And I said Embiid has the chance to get into that class of guy. And I'm not counting LeBron, even though LeBron's been on a great turn. We're going to get to him in a second because he's just – he's in year 19. He just can't do it night in and night out like those other guys can. And that's not a knock on LeBron. I knock LeBron a lot, but that isn't a knock. But Joel Embiid is now in that class, all right? He's now in that class. And if you're the Sixers and you have this Ben Simmons situation, right? Where it's clear he's never gonna play for the Sixers again. You have to cash in the chip to get whatever you can get that's gonna help you win right now. Because Joel Embiid is that good. I don't care if you take 50 cents on the dollar. I don't care. Doesn't matter. Do whatever you have to do. Get whoever you have to do in that building because Joel Embiid is an MVP candidate and he's good enough to win the finals right now. And that's what you're playing for, all right? You're not playing to prove a point like Daryl Morey likes to do sometimes. I'm not saying he's not handling it well right now. But Daryl, cash in the chips. You can win the title this year. That's right, this year, because Joel Embiid... Is that, that good? Just incredible. I mean, what he and Jokic do on a night in and night out basis at their size is just absurd. And as everybody was saying that the center position is dead and that the big man, you know, gets played off the floor. Well, three of the five best players in the league are considered big guys, Giannis Jokic and Embiid. So kudos to Embiid because he's just wildly good. So I mentioned LeBron James. He's on a crazy tear. Personally, he's playing great. The Lakers still stink. Um, But he's as thin-skinned and as big of a bitch-ass as he's ever been, all right? So they're playing against the Memphis Grizzlies, and they're losing because Memphis is better than them. John Morant, who's the most electrifying player in the league, has the second-best block I've ever seen in a game. That was just nuts. I mean, the Giannis block last year in the finals reigned supreme. But the John Morant block is number two. Crazy, just absolutely crazy. It was shot out of a cannon. If you haven't seen the highlight, I don't know. You're living under a rock. But if you haven't seen it, get out from under that rock. Go to Twitter, go to Instagram. It's all over the place. But yeah, so the Grizzlies are putting a hurting on the Lakers. And they're talking a lot of mess to LeBron, talking a lot of shit in his ear. And he doesn't like it. You know, Lakers are down 20. LeBron's getting the business. Desmond Baines talking crap to him. And LeBron doesn't like it, complaining. He's talking about how the Grizzlies talk too much. This is the same guy who's the biggest front runner ever. Okay. He goes against a bad Indiana team or was it a Portland team? I don't even remember. I think it was both, but showboats after hitting a game winning shot in Indiana. And then like against a bad Portland team goes, I'm a problem right to the crowd when they're up 14 points. If you can't take it, LeBron don't dish it. He's a thin-skinned, bitch-ass loser. I can't stand the guy. And he's playing great. He's playing absolutely tremendous basketball. But stop with the garbage, all right? Stop being such a thin-skinned loser, okay? It's just a bad look. You're in year 19. Grow a pair, all right? You can handle a little trash talk when you're getting the shit kicked out of you. Just grow a pair. One time for me. So yeah, that was really great to see uh, because I love any chance I can rag on LeBron James. But I will say this, LeBron at center, it's interesting. It's definitely very, very interesting. So as I mentioned, John Morant and the Grizzlies, they're playing the Warriors tonight, which is must-see television on NBA TV. At the time of the recording, it's tipping off in a couple of hours. And the Warriors, the big deal was Klay Thompson's back after a long, long time. After a torn ACL, a torn Achilles, Clay Thompson is back, played his first game against the Cavs. And honestly, he looked pretty good, all things considered. Yeah, he was a little rusty, but I thought he moved pretty well. Moved solidly on defense. That hasn't come back yet. Uh, you could see the shot is going to come back. He was only 7 of 18. He was trying to get in his rhythm. You knew that they were going to try and get him shots. He's not always going to shoot 18 shots. But I think he looked pretty good, and it's great, because I love Clay Thompson. of NBA fans love Klay Thompson for good reason. He's just a good dude. He's an awesome player. And we want awesome guys in the league. The more awesome guys in the league, the better. So really glad to have him back. Really, really glad to have him back. But I want to just talk about these guys on NBA Twitter and NBA Reddit who are chronicling every mistake Klay Thompson made, like they were hating on him. To you guys, whoever you are, go dig a hole and bury yourselves in that hole because who wants to do that do you enjoy doing that like you guys just suck suck the life out of everything that's good nba twitter can sometimes be the worst and they are the epitome of those people and i will take it upon myself to make sure that they are spoken about and shamed for it all right so last thing last last thing before we get into tonight's guest, and 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 welcome back, Clay Thompson. So obviously, you know, in the last podcast, I sp- spoke about the Knicks and my growing disdain for Julius Randle. And since then, so we had the incident, the booing incident in the Garden in that crazy home win against the Celtics where Randall played great. They were down 25 points. Evan Fournier had an added body experience. RJ Barrett hits the buzzer beater. Just incredible, right? Incredible, incredible. When Julius Randall does the thumbs down was basically saying, fuck you to the fans. I should say that. He was saying, shut the fuck up to the fans. I want to get the quote correct. All right. You know, there was a lot of pushback on Julius that if you can't take the heat, get out of the kitchen. I mean, it's very clear to me. The fans are going to boo you if you stink. They're going to cheer you if they play well. I mean, Charles Barkley and the TNT crew and Shaq and Kenny summed it up best. They will cheer you when you play well. They're going to boo you when you don't play well. It's that simple. That's what you sign up for if you want to be the man on an NBA franchise, especially in a franchise that plays in the biggest media market in the country with a rabid, rabid fan base. You want to be the man. You enjoyed all the fruits of being the man last year. Love the praise. You loved it. You embraced it. Now all of a sudden you haven't played nearly as well and you've sucked most of the year and you've shown apathy on the court. You got it. If you can't take the heat, get the fuck out the kitchen. All right. It's as simple as that. So Julius apologizes, gets swept under fine. You know, I, I, I'm i fine with fans booing him in the stadium. I don't like when, you know, crazies on social media are commenting on his wife's Instagram, talking crap and stepping over the line. That's garbage. That's absolute garbage. We don't condone that as somebody who speaks for Nick's faithful. We don't condone any of that. All right. Like, don't be ridiculous. Don't be a jerk. Okay. So then they play in Boston. He has a crap game, four for 18. And then last night, they play San Antonio. The Knicks are winning, but he's he's terrible shooting the ball. You know, he rebounded. He looked to get guys involved, but also looks like he's laissez-faire on defense, and that's being kind. And the fans, even though the Knicks are up 20, are booing Julius Randle. Now, I don't think it's nice to boo your team when you're up 20. I think that's a little petty. It's stupid. And Julius said what he needed to say. And I'm done talking about this in the post-game interview. Great. But I think it's time to move on from Julius Randle. You're not that guy, pal. You're not that guy. And right now, I know there's all this crazy speculation about Zion and trying to package Randle and some stuff for Zion Williamson. I don't even think you wait that long. Because as we said on episode 138, The Tibbs-Randall bromance is holding this franchise hostage. I don't think you wait. I also don't trust Zion to be in shape. If the right deal presented itself now, and even if that's taking 50 cents on the dollar, I'd move Julius Randall. It's time. It's time. Thank you for last year, Julius. Thank you. I enjoyed it. I got swept up in it. But we've had a large enough sample size to know that my initial fears When the Knicks signed you, we're correct. It's fine. It's fine. It's time to move on. And especially because Tom Thibodeau treats him like LeBron James and allows him to play like LeBron James and getting rid of Randall or getting rid of Tibbs. Even something needs to be done to break that chain. But anyway, that's another topic uh, of discussion that I spoke about last week. We'll monitor the situation. And with that said, it's time to bring on a recurring guest to talk about the New York Giants and preview the NFL playoffs in just a matter of moments. I teased it before in the monologue. I uh, have a recurring guest, one of my favorite recurring guests, to talk about the NFL, a little Week 18 recap, a little playoff preview. Now we got to talk about the Giants. You know who's uh, who you're expecting. It's uh, Mr. Shai Elberger. Shai, let's start here. We thought just about a half an hour ago that the tenor of the start of this conversation was going to be very different but it's a celebration um i mean
0: should i take the position where i'm like i don't like to see anyone lose their job no no don't no no, we don't care
1: we don't care because this is for our enjoyment and our benefit all right yeah i'm I'm glad that, you know, it's sad that somebody's going to go on the unemployment line, but he's getting $15 million to sit his ass at home. So I don't care. With that said, go. So I feel like I I should just do a a quick
0: summary of like how it started, how it's going for uh, Joe judge. And I think, you know, um, I was, and I think all giants fans were after Basically he was hired and everyone was like, who the hell is this guy? We just hired a wide receivers coach as our coach. And then he had that. I thought
1: he was a special teams coach.
0: He was special teams uh, coordinator for several years. And then the last year on new England, I think he was both special teams and wide receivers coach. And, and we're like, who the hell is this guy? And then he had that introductory press conference that, you know, by all accounts, and uh, I thought so. Also, he like hit it out of the park. He was intense. He was very direct, um, just seemed like he was could possibly be one of these young up and coming assistants who was just like very different from Shermer, um, like polar opposite personality. And, you know, I really was rooting for him and I, and I wanted him to do well, obviously not, not just as a Giants fan, but like I was pumped, uh, you know, watching him. And I, I will I will always go back to this point a um, moment, which was the first game of last season. So Judge's first game as coach, it was Giants-Steelers on Monday night. And I'm going, based off all of the things he had said in that press conference and all summer during training camp, you know, um, some of the things he said, I'm, I'll try to remember, like – We're going to play flash
1: mouth football for 60 minutes. We're not going to play scared, all that jazz.
0: Yes, that um, every play is going to have a story and life of its own. And, you know, our team is going to reflect the people of the New York, New Jersey area and all that stuff. And, and right, we're not going to play scared. We're going to be aggressive. So fast forward, the first game of the season, Monday night against Pittsburgh, the opening drive of the game, Giants are driving they are faced with a fourth and one from the Steelers 40 yard line and this was literally his first possession as a head coach and you could just set the tone for what your coaching tenure is going to be and what did the Giants do they took a delay of game on purpose and to punt to punt it. And I remember sitting there just stunned that this went against everything he had said leading up to that moment. And like, I couldn't believe that we have a coach who is one of those coaches who punts on fourth and one from the opposing 40-yard line. And maybe the worst thing that ended up happening is that the Steelers' returner actually muffed the punt and the Giants recovered at like the five-yard line. And then they ended up scoring a touchdown. and. Uh, that was like probably a terrible result because it vindicated the decision. But I just remember thinking from that point, like I just was so surprised that that's what happened based on everything he had said. And now you fast forward two years later, and that was just a foreshadowing of like how he was as a coach, like how many times did the giants punt on fourth and short from opposing territory. And, uh, and It just, you know, the things he promised and said, he just didn't follow through on. Um, Some of it was just, I don't know, I don't know why. Some of it is personnel. There's other reasons. Um, But I just remember, you know, that didn't turn, it wasn't like at that moment I knew Judge was going to be a horrible coach or that the Giants were doomed. It was just something that really took me by surprise that that happened. And then as we watched the next two years, that was just like, that's who Judge is. He's a very conservative coach. He obviously has a special teams background, so maybe he just loves punting. Um, and that was just, you know, unfortunately for me, like the a moment that I feel like he could have really put his foot down and and put his stamp on what kind of team the Giants would be. And he did, unfortunately, um, but, but not the kind of stamp that, that we were hoping for. So, yeah. Um, I'm, I'm sure either there's follow-up questions you may have, or I could just keep, uh, you know, rambling on about the current situation.
1: Well, um, we'll get to the current situation in a second, but okay. So obviously, we've seen the way it it played out. The first year wasn't so bad. They were in the mix. You thought they were going to take a step forward. They I mean, set the yeah. record for the NFL for most guys on IR um, All right. this year, but the last two months were just so brutal that I know that the Maris don't want the revolving door of coaches, but after that, they had been outscored in the fourth quarter. What was it? 96 to zero or something. What was Uh, the crazy stat? No,
0: not fourth quarter. It was um, the last two minutes of the first half. Uh, I think it was 76-0 on the season. The Giants, the first on the team season. the first team um, since they went to a 16-game season, uh, schedule back in the 70s, that a team did not score any points in the last two minutes of the first half. Um, and, and 76 was the biggest point differential of the final two minutes of half. It, it Honestly, it's a mind-boggling stat that we became aware of like week seven when it was like 36 nothing. And then, just every week, it was like, "All right, how are they gonna?" There were games in the in the back half of the season where the Giants had the ball, like in opposing territory, with under two minutes left, and were still outscored in the last two minutes. It, like they didn't score, and the other team scored. It was just ridiculous. Uh, it, it was absolutely ridiculous. ridiculous. Yeah, and uh, the, the Bears see- the Bears scored three different times in the last two minutes of the first half a couple of weeks ago.
1: Yeah, well. After the Bears game and that debacle, and again, you know, Daniel Jones was, was out with a neck injury. I mean, Mike Lennon is an embarrassment. Uh, Jake Fromm is an embarrassment, right? But after, uh, you know, after the Bears game, and then the report comes out that the Giant that the Giants are leaning on keeping Joe Judge, right? Yep. And then we have, what was it, the week later, the crazy press con. Yeah. The week later, the crazy press conference, uh, calling out the Washington Redskins organization, or I should say the football team, excuse me, the football team organization, and Ron Rivera for having his players fighting on the sidelines, right? Ironically, Jonathan Allen is up for like the Walter Payton man of the year. Whatever, stuff happens in a football game, right? Guys are competitive, All right, They don't like losing. And then to get absolutely smoked by the football team, have the two quarterback sneaks on second down and third down, in opposing teams territory. It's not like they were like inside the one, right? Just the whole thing, like when they didn't fire him immediately on Sunday, I was about to lose my mind. I was losing my mind. It It was crazy. I mean, we saw on Twitter, I was ready to become a Bengals fan. The Bengals haven't won a playoff game since text messaging was invented. All right. They haven't won a playoff game since 1991. I was ready to become a Bengals fan because I love Joe Burrow, even though I spell his name, Borrow, all the time. For all of you calling me out on Twitter, shut up, all right? No, No, I don't care. I was ready to become a Bengals fan. It's just, and they finally did the right thing. I felt like they got bullied into the right thing.
0: Yeah, it's pretty wild how the whole situation really deteriorated. Deteriorated so drastically in the last four to six weeks. Um, like, you know, they weren't good the whole season. Obviously, they were 0 and 3, 1 and 5, 3 and 7, um, like every year. And everyone basically had known since like Halloween that, you know, Gettleman was not going to be able to live through this. Um, but in all of the articles and podcasts I, I listened to and read throughout the season, all of the beat reporters basically said the same thing, like, barring some drastic, unimaginable meltdown at the end of the season, there's no, nothing to suggest that Judge would not be the coach next year. And just the fact that that is what happened, like, this unimaginable, horrendous, just from all aspects of, you know, Garrett got fired. That car coincided with Daniel Jones getting injured. So they were forced to play Glennon, who, by the way, Glennon sucks. There's no debating that. But what you also can't debate is like his career stats prior to this season were not egregious for a backup quarterback. Like his quarterback rating for his career is like in the 80s. Um, Like he, I know his win loss is bad, but like, he wasn't this bad on other teams. So right. that's just like, we, we see it because we don't watch Mike Glennon when he was on the bears or, or Tampa. Um, and we see him on the giants and he looks like horrendous and he may have been horrendous on other teams, but they somehow were able to like, he was able to throw for like 200 yards in a game, but then he comes to the giants and he, he can't throw for like 30 yards. So like, I, I mean, we're not going to like spend too much time on like why Mike Glennon sucks on the giants, but just, I feel like that's very um, symbolic of just you know players come to the Giants or have come to the Giants and have just underperformed. So then Glennon gets hurt, they're forced to sign Jake Fromm, who is the Bills' fourth-string quarterback, um, actually below Davis Webb, uh, my old uh, crush uh, on the Bills. Death By the chart. way,
1: I thought it was pretty decent in college. I thought he had like a, you know, I mean he played who, well Fromm? for Georgia. Almost led yeah, him to a so national championship. Like, I thought he would be decent in the NFL. It's funny. When I was
0: watching the game last night, Georgia, Alabama, and the, I, like, I don't follow college football, as you know, so I'm, I'm seeing these teams really for the first time. And, like, the Georgia QB is some, like, you know, puny-looking white guy. And, and I'm just, like, yeah. imagining that, like, this was Jake Fromm, like, three years ago. And how he can be so so bad in the NFL is is beyond me. He's definitely not someone who's going to be better on another team. He he just has no talent. Um, but it just it it was the pro game press conference that he had after the Chicago game, which I was listening to live and was in the moment. You know he was on that eleven minute answer, and like as I'm listening to it, I'm like, what is this guy talking about? Like he is so far off the rails right now. And bashing Shermer without naming names, bashing the the Washington football team without naming names. Uh, He basically claiming that he inherited a terrible locker room in 2020 when Dave Gettleman is on record in 2019, claiming that he has cleaned up the locker room issue. So that, that was like, well, you know, Gettleman claimed in 2019 after he traded Beckham that there's no more locker room problem now is saying that he inherited a terrible locker room you know what that tells me is both of these people have nothing to actually hang their hat on record wise and, and performance wise so they just have to cling to this like intangible thing that no one really like you know you guys aren't in the building you don't see how hard people work and you know i look into their eyes and, and everyone wants the same thing like what are you talking about no one cares the fans don't care that Golden Tate had his golf clubs in front of his locker in December. We don't care. All we care about is that the team goes out and scores three points a game and throws for negative 10 passing yards in a game and that they have the worst record in the NFL for five years and that they have the fewest amount of touchdowns for the last two years. That's By the all way, we care the about. worst
1: record thing is when a team went 0-16 and a team yeah, it's, that is so bad that they got the number one pick back-to-back years. Yeah, it's like,
0: I, Like, I don't know who—if Judge was talking to the fan base or ownership indirectly in that press conference—but we don't care that there's a bunch of mensches in the locker room who are nice to the cafeteria staff, um, you know, and, and you know, do do great mitzvahs outside of the locker room or, or in the locker room or. We uh, want that, there, but we know. want
1: to win games.
0: We Fuck out of want you with wins. that Nonsense. If if that's all you can tell me after two years is that, you know what you don't see, fighting on the sidelines. Wow, that's a really uh, high bar you've set for yourself there. So that, he just goes off the rails. And then, you know, last week was, yeah, those two QB sneaks. um, I know that's like the national attention grabber for good reason. But what most people don't, don't see there was the overall context of that whole situation, which to me just really kind of symbolized what, what this Giants team was like, was yes, they ran the back-to-back QB sneaks on second down and third down. What directly preceded that second down QB sneak was the Giants broke, had the ball like the two yard line, broke the huddle, and there were 10 people on the field. And they realized that and had to call timeout. Then they come back from the timeout and they got a false start penalty. So now they're backed up from the two to the one. Then they ran the QB sneak, and then they ran the other QB sneak. It's like that whole sequence of events is is not because Jake Fromm is the quarterback. I don't think, you know, it's it's not because the talent on the field is bad that you break the huddle with ten players, and it's not because Jake Fromm is the quarterback that you come out of a timeout and get a false start. And we've seen them get delay of games after a timeout, and it's just like you can't claim that you're this, you know, attention to detail, strict coach. And, and these things just happen on like a weekly basis. It, it's just, it's, I think we would be able to identify a team that's playing well and is just not talented enough. This was a team that seemingly, in my opinion, has more talent than what they produced. And so they underproduced and they were undisciplined. And there were just every game coaching decisions that made no sense, whether it's calling timeouts or challenges or, you know, their approach to the two minute drill. They, they had possession. They had they have game where it'd be a two minute drill. Giants would get the ball back with like a minute left and they'd run like a draw play. Got like four yards. You'd be like, OK, they're going into the half. But then they'd call timeout and then like run another draw play like what are you doing either go to halftime or like try to get yards like why are you doing both it, just like things like that made no sense uh and, and then you know his, his post game press conferences even before this last crazy one was just like you know i thought there was a lot of progress a lot of things we did well be like
1: you just lost like 85 nothing what are co- you talking about the same cookie cutter shit that you were hearing all year you know all year and was I- there the the production was not like no one cares, man. It's a results based right. business.
0: Exactly. Exactly. And really, it doesn't like why, what is this new thing in, in that people think now it takes like three years to turn a locker room, you know, from better or for worse? 99% of the players in the NFL in general are like good, normal people. Like, it shouldn't take three years to have a, you know, a locker room. quote unquote culture of like good people. Yeah, like culture, it's a winning culture. That's all there is in the NFL. It's a winning culture or a losing culture. It's not, and a, not just
1: that, not just that. Like we all know the turnover in terms of the NFL roster every single year is enormous. Like what are yeah, you talking about, bro?
0: There's probably like seven players on the team that were there when he was hired. So I, and then oh, the other thing he said in that, in that 11 minute answer was, you know, I know one thing we're a lot closer to where we're going than where we were. Um, there's literally a way to gauge this in the NFL. It's called standings and the giants are picking fifth. Uh, that's pretty much closer to first than 32nd. So how are you closer to anything? You're, you're 10 times closer to being the worst team in the league than you are the best team. So like, and what, what are le- you,
1: they won less games this year than they did. Yeah. Last they're going year. back. We're like,
0: what are you, what are you closer? You're not closer to anything. Other than having the first pick, so just like I don't know what he was saying. Um, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall for his meetings with ownership today and yesterday. Would love, would love to have known what was discussed, what his plan was that he gave for fixing the offense. Um, you know, maybe he was like, you know what? Maybe I'll rehire uh, Jason Derek. and that's when they uh, announced that he was fired.
1: Well, I um, although to, for uh, all I know, I talk- Mara
0: would have, uh, yeah. Yeah, I wanna talk about
1: ownership that. in a second because I, I I know we're going a little long on the Giants and I, know. I you I know, know that that, you knew that was gonna happen. I knew it was gonna happen, but it just needed to be discussed. And obviously, again, because they made the move, they got rid of Gettleman, who was the worst, who we've ranted about for two years, right? Uh, probably the uh, worst GM in the history of the of the organization. They got rid of Judge, right? Reluctantly. They were probably bullied on Twitter uh, definitely to Definitely do- reluctantly to make the move so yeah. they, they they did what needed to be done to clean house but like how concerned are we about the ownership that this isn't like you know a, the fish r- stinks from the top down right and the it rots from the top down like how nervous should we be about the o- current ownership situation uh so
0: I mean, unfortunately, there's there's obviously nothing that can get changed from that. Like we're not the Giants are not going to have new ownership anytime soon.
1: Unless Jeff Davos decides to just, you know.
0: Yeah, I I come over
1: the top with an offer and put all the games on Amazon streaming service, which I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to.
0: I did see just as a quick aside that Amazon was looking for Marshawn Lynch to be some sort of like line reporter for their Thursday night package. That'll be great. But Mara and Tish are not going anywhere. And if we want to be objective, you know these are the same owners that owned the team when they won two Super Bowls lately, and Mara has won four Super Bowls. So I get that things have changed, you know, maybe in the NFL over time, just in terms of different uh, ways that you that you build a team. But you know we're not talking like Mets owners' level incompetence, like, I know it's crazy to think. At this point, it's already 10 and 15 years ago that they won two Super Bowls, but Mara and Tish were the owners there. Like it was only 10 years ago where Mara, you know, spoke at the you know Super Bowl parade and, and got a standing ovation from Giants fans. So I can't say like Mara sell the team, has to sell a team. What I will say is there's they, need more to to do. The yes. they
1: need to get and, and with times. yeah, They need to get with the more. times.
0: If there's more to do than GM and head coach. You know, you have people in, in player personnel departments that are um, in the Mara family. There's, there's two people specifically. I can't imagine they're losing their jobs, but like, enough with the with the hiring relatives and hiring old buddies and yeah. You know, you know don't. Uh, I thought I was scared I was going to be like, uh, you know, Dave Gettleman is assisting in the GM search. You're like, no, no, enough with this already. Um, I'm glad to see that they're requesting interviews with with people from other teams, and. Um, you know, the bar for the next GM is, is, is not, I mean, it's going to be high, but like you're, you're coming after Dave Gettleman. You know, I could find a random, random person on the street, you know, uh, Caitlin Wyota and be like, Hey, you could, you could probably do a better job at, at GMing a team than Gettleman did. So, so two we'll see you.
1: Questions before we, um before we transition to a little week 18 and and some playoffs, because that's the crux of the, uh, of the conversation, but I mean, and just to go on your point that they have to hire outside the organization, they've only interviewed Lewis Riddick. He's the only candidate to be interviewed outside the organization for a front office position, which is nuts, right? You mean lab, last last last? You mean last time in twenty seventeen? Yeah, no, but in in years, right? Because they right, went right. from they went right, from a, Jerry Reese, a Corsi, yeah, yeah, like he's Corsi the, the Reese. guy.
0: The issue with um, when they fired Reese in season is that you can't interview people on other teams in season. And so they were basically interviewed three people in-house and Lewis Riddick, who was on TV, and Gettleman, who was unemployed. So they literally didn't, didn't interview anyone. And they, um, that's what happens when you want to hire a GM uh, you know, in season. Now it's a different situation, set of circumstances, and hopefully they're casting their net wide.
1: I'd like to see Lewis Riddick get another chance at the job.
0: I I mean, I don't mind him. What I do know is he was very high on Dwayne Haskins, and that alone makes me nervous. So, um, I mean, I I don't want to make an evaluation based on, you know, one instance um, but I don't think, you know, it's some like slam dunk that like Lewis Riddick is, is some great, you know,
1: no, of, of course not. You're never going to know until he gets into a draft room and, and, and makes picks. Right? right. 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 A
0: lot of people seem really smart on TV, like Mike Mayock. And then he goes to the Raiders. I guess the Raiders are in the playoffs. So yeah, the Raiders, yeah. Hey, he hasn't so, done
1: a bad job with the Raiders. I know. I, I still, it's still weird to me. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to that game in a second, but like he hasn't done a bad job with the Raiders. I mean, they're I saw that they were interviewing somebody from Buffalo. Buffalo's been a pretty Buffalo. good organization recently. That's yeah, not Buffalo so bad. Chiefs, Titans, Cardinals
0: uh, seem to be the teams that they've reached out to. Mike Francesa? <laughs> Bring him in the fold? I I don't think so. It's time. Uh, I'll tell you one thing. If Francesa was GM, the Giants fans would have gotten a free uh,
1: large large Pepsi, not a medium. Oh, my God. Uh, by the way, the, the picture of... That was a joke, and the fact- that was
0: another thing. Yeah, I know that was I didn't even remember that. Like, that's
1: not Joe Judge's fault. Like, no, but that's just an organization hell? fatigue thing. Like, they just who don't know. The, like, read the room one time. You had an I empty know. fucking parking lot last game where no one was there.
0: I I just can't imagine like a meeting of the minds where they leave the boardroom and had concluded that a medium Pepsi one per PSL family was fan appreciation. I just like I.
1: I don't understand how that was the conclusion there. Insanity. What so last question because obviously, you know, they haven't named the general manager yet. They haven't named a uh, a coach yet. Um they have the two first round picks, 5 and 7 in a in a draft that by all accounts, there's no great quarterback prospect worthy of a top 10 pick. So right. again, we're going to get into this closer to the draft, I'm sure, but The the quarterback situation, we have got Daniel Jones on an option year. If I laid out these three scenarios, given where the Giants are, no, four scenarios, you power rank these scenarios. One, trading for a, a top guy who's on the market, whether it's Russell Wilson, maybe Aaron Rodgers, maybe Deshaun Watson. Two, playing out with Daniel Jones, sucking, and then being able to to draft Bryce Young first overall the following year. Three, going a mid-level route, like a third or fourth round pick, maybe to the San Francisco 49ers for a Jimmy Garoppolo type. That's three. And four, reaching in the draft to draft one of these guys. Power
0: ranked. Okay, so I thought I was going to get a, a fifth option, which was signing some veteran guy for one year, um, because I actually would have power ranked that option as number one, but I, I'll go through the ones you laid out. I know it's fun to talk about um, trading for a, a top tier QB, Wilson, Rogers, Watson, I guess it's those three. I really, really do not see that happening. Um, I just don't even think it's possible. The Giants have, like, not a good cap situation, as it is. I really don't see how they could afford a Rodgers-Wilson-Watson yeah, type of contract. On, you know, I know you, I know what you you're going to say. get
1: crazy with the cap.
0: But the Giants aren't even in a good position to do that. Like, they've already right. done that so last that's year thing. to sign Galladay and Adoree Jackson. So it's like right. You they already have been pushing money. The Giants literally – a couple of weeks ago like pushed money for the punter into next year because they didn't have money to bring someone up from the practice squad and the punter is like definitely getting cut so like it, it's not a good cap situation so i really don't think that's possible now if it were possible you're telling me for aaron Rodgers. Um, you know, it might not be the greatest move in the long run, but to give me two years of watching Rogers on the giants, I, you know, I, I, might, uh, you know, sell my soul to the devil. Wilson does make me nervous that he is possibly just on the downside of his career physically, um, doesn't like run around as much, maybe his finger issue like lingers. Um, I, I just, Like, are the Giants really a quarterback away from being a Super Bowl contender, or does Russell Wilson make them a a nine or 10 win team? So, I would especially like, we've all been begging, like, just blow it up, start over. This is like, I get it's like a really good band aid, but it's still a band aid. Um, The second option
1: I would hold on one second. I'll I'll say this about Wilson, right? I'll say this about Wilson because of the down year. Like, I still think Russell Wilson is awesome. I think it was just a weird year. I think he just wants out of there. Um, If you could get like a buy low where it's not both first round picks and next year's first, if you can give one first round pick this year and another one in the future, and then like a two, that's something I could could get behind. Yeah, I definitely would not want to give up
0: both the fifth and seventh picks. Like those are very valuable.
1: With the the way the roster is, you can't do it. You can't. You have Um, too many holes. my thought process from the Seattle
0: side is like Pete Carroll in his seventies. Like, is he really going to want to start over? Probably not. Um, I know Wilson had a bad year, but I don't think you're getting any sort of like bad year discount trading for him. Um, Jimmy G personally, I am not the biggest fan of, I, I think but Jimmy it's a one year like, deal.
1: It's a trot. He's got one year left on the. Yes. Concept, so, well, tr- so that also like I the,
0: the giants can't afford like a $25 million dollar, one-year quarterback but i I just don't i i think daniel i think daniel jones's ceiling is jimmy garoppolo ish and so i personally would rather see if jones could reach that ceiling Mm -hmm. rather than trade for a known quantity of jimmy g who's like we know he's like the 15th to 18th best quarterback in the league so that that just like doesn't do it for me um the third option I know none of the quarterbacks now are thought of in that way. A lot can change. I feel like between the combine and and are and pro days and whatnot. And I bet you come, you know, March, April time, I guess that's when the draft is a uh, February, March time that there are, you know, one or two quarterbacks that are sneaking into the top, you know, six. And, um, I, I probably would give us Daniel Jones vibes. If the thought process is like the giants just reached for a quarterback, but I'm not, I'm not opposed to if you know who I, I don't evaluate these guys. Like it's the, it's the people in the front office. It's their job to do this. And if they feel that one of these quarterbacks is worth it. then I'm on board for drafting a quarterback at five or seven. And I don't know that that, that, that is the
1: least palatable one. I mean, it, it, do we know? We think none of these guys no, are good. Do I'm just, we know? I'm, like I'm, I'm saying Mahomes went right thirteen. Now.
0: Right, right yeah. now, yeah. So right now, it would be surprising. Um, and then the fourth option, which was I don't remember what it was. Daniel Jones in, back on the uh, uh, on the fifth year. So, deal. so it's actually so next year is actually his fourth year. The decision they have to make this off season is whether they would pick up his fifth year option for twenty twenty three. It's a very, very easy decision, and the answer is no, you don't. No, don't. And you make him play out this final year, and if he somehow plays really well and stays healthy, then you sign him to some long-term deal. And if he doesn't, you move on with no dead money or anything. Because he is going to be a fourth-year QB making relatively little money compared to other quarterbacks, they're not going to cut him, I don't think, unless – you know, it's a new GM, a new head coach, which doesn't bode well for Jones because they didn't draft him. But I just think it makes sense. Financially. someone Just financially, yeah. if he, you bring in, in my opinion, if you're not going to draft one high, you bring in some veteran, like, I don't want to say Teddy Bridgewater because I, I no whatever. There's just no reason Come to bring on. him in. Like, I'm not going to say Ryan Fitzpatrick after he no. misses the season with a hip injury. But if we're talking like,
1: None of those guys are better than Daniel Jones. Teddy Bridgewater stinks.
0: No, I know, I know. But let's say I, you're gonna like this one. Let's say the Vikings cut Kirk Cousins. Oh God! You telling me you wouldn't take one year of Kirk Cousins with Daniel Jones as his backup?
1: If it Um, means that I'm going a completely different direction in two years. When when the cap alleviates a little bit, sure. Yeah, I, I mean you don't sign cousins. So cousins. Like, yeah, you don't sign him to
0: some four year deal. What about um, you know, Gardner Minshew probably is going to be a free agent this year.
1: I'd rather. Gardner I'm not saying Minchu. he's a, I'm not I'd saying he's a starter. than Kirk Cousins.
0: Okay, so you don't you don't sign him to be the starter, but you sign him and Minshew and Jones have a QB competition all summer. The winner <laughs> wins. The loser's the backup. And that's your quarterback situation for 2022. Um, I can't imagine the Giants would win too many games that way. And you're picking top 10 again next year. And so to me, that is my approach. You bring in someone, open QB competition with Jones. And, you know, I think that's a lot more plausible now because if Judge were still coach, I think Jones would by default be the starter next year. And, you know, I, I like Daniel Jones. There's probably some confirmation bias anytime he like makes a good throw, I'm uh, thinking like, "You know, I knew he could do that," but that's just because I have that in my mind already. He obviously has not done enough to to give any sort of confidence and he can't stay healthy. So that that would be my approach. You bring in some veteran one-year deal, let them compete and that's the situation.
1: I agree with that. I think that's the prudent thing to do. Um, again, if you could get Wilson Uh, on the little bit of a discount because of the bad year. That's a different story. Uh, The Deshaun Watson thing is who the hell knows. Watson is not coming to the Giants. Uh, The Giants are not not that franchise. Let me ask you this, though. Let me ask you this. Last thing on the Giants, I promise. I promise, people, is the last one. If Watson legally, you know, the whole thing works out, And the Miami Dolphins have had their eye on him the entire time, right? Yep. Would you want to get Tua for the Giants? I am not a
0: Tua fan. I think his ceiling is is very limited. I think he's a very accurate, short-range passer with some mobility and aside from that, I have not seen anything that makes me think he could be anything more than that. So, again, I guess it would be you know you telling me it's Tua for two years, relatively cheap. And what are you trading for him now? Miami's not going to get. I guess, but don't you think Miami would have to give up Tua to the Texans in any trade?
1: I don't know. I'm just I'm, thinking, I'm speaking hypothetically because yeah, I be- I, I'm not a Tua fan.
0: I pers- I would rather draft the quarterback than than trade for Tua.
1: I, I bet, I bet on the pedigree.
0: If I could, I I haven't seen him. I
1: just haven't seen it. in then NFL yet for him. All right. So that was a lot of giants talk, but today's a good day. I, you can't see I'm actually wearing a giants t-shirt. I don't have to become a Bengals fan who haven't won a playoff game since 1991. Things are good. Even though I do root for Joe Burrow always and would take him over Justin Herbert if I'm starting a franchise, but anyway, all right. So, we all saw what took place in week 18, the craziness in, um, in the Raiders-Chargers game that almost ended up in a tie, even though they weren't trying to uh, end up in a tie. And we saw the Colts as 16-point favorites against the Jaguars, poop themselves and lose outright, getting sent home. Which to you was the more devastating loss, the Chargers or the Colts?
0: The Colts, uh, for sure. Um, I mean, I guess it defines devastating because I think with 30 seconds left in overtime, the Chargers probably thought they were going to the playoffs and then they weren't. Whereas and, they the had guys, it, and they had
1: it in their control because they called the timeout with a minute 38 left.
0: Um, I I know everyone's on that. Wait, that's not the the timeout everyone's criticizing was the one with like, was that with a minute 38 left? Yeah, I know it was right before
1: it was right before the Jacobs. Was it a minute 38? Run right, right before Jacobs. I thought Jacobs it was just 38. Run. Right. So it, it was at the end.
0: I know a lot of people are basically blaming that timeout. The timeout, in my opinion, did not change anything. The Raiders had run two plays to Jacobs prior to the timeout, and then they called timeout and they ran a third play to Jacobs, and he happened to get 10 yards. The issue was that they allowed a 10 yard run to get them into field goal range. If they had just stopped Jacobs for a two yard gain, I don't think the Raiders would have attempted a 57 yard field goal. No, they would have have a higher chance of getting blocked. They would have just, uh, just let the clock run out. So
1: it's giving up that run is what did it not the timeout. In my opinion, Uh, the Jaguars don't take the timeout. The clock continues to run. They run the same play. They may not have enough time to get the field goal.
0: Um, that's that's uh, I guess that's that's debatable. To me, the Colts losing to the Jaguars in what amounted to a playoff game for Indy has to is just inexcusable. I agree with you, by the way. Really weird that the Indy hasn't won in Jacksonville in seven years, which is mind-boggling. But. It was the Colts play the Raiders, by the way, two weeks ago, because I think they could have clinched the playoff spot with a win in either of their last two weeks. And I think they lost, I want to say it was to the Raiders. And then the Jaguars. Considering the Jaguars um were almost as bad as the Giants this year, even though they were record-wise, but if you really watched, nothing was really worse than the Giants. That is just an inexcusable loss. Somehow it was like start to finish they were losing. It wasn't like
1: Got whooped up and down play. the field from the opening kickoff.
0: Yeah, wasn't you know, wasn't some crazy comeback, onside kick, pick six, like they were just losing from the start, and
1: that is, if I'm a Colts fan, that is a really tough pill to swallow. Last question before we go into the uh, the football games, the new um the new NFL format, right? So we have the extra regular season game. The playoff format that actually started last year, seven teams, one team gets a bye. We have a Monday night football game as a playoff game this week. Do we like this format? Is this like too much? The Monday night football thing in the playoffs seems a little crazy. So I know
0: you didn't just ask me if there's too much football, but I is did. three, is I three did. days of football too much? I would say no. I am, uh, I'm all for a Monday night playoff game. Do I love the triple headers? Sure, I do. And we get that on Sunday. I think two games on Saturday, you know, you get that one o'clock, I guess it's like the four o'clock and eight o'clock. It's a good uh, two games in a row is enough for me that we get the triple header Sunday. And then Monday, you know, the worst day of the week, we have something to look forward to at night. And I personally am in favor of, of the Monday night game. And if you're talking about the seven seeds and one by I'm, I'm, you know, I'm never opposed to more playoff spots. I, as, you know, as giants fans, we've, we've made, uh, you know, won a super bowl as, as a five seed. So, you know, I, am I'm, I'm looking forward to the year where a seven seed makes it to the super bowl. The one bye week makes the one seed you know, much more valuable. Uh, which I I don't mind. So I'm all for it. More games, more nights, more seeds, more football. Sign me up.
1: I just, you know, the more I think about it, I I think I I turn back to uh, my guy, Ryan who who's always like, are you sure you want more? Because then it cheapens like the regular season and I'm starting to sign onto that line of thinking where it's just like- I mean, it doesn't. I mean this is not overboard. Easy. It's it's seven to six, so it's not a big deal, but right. it's like I, I get the know. point, I think, like I, I get
0: the point, like are the Eagles really a playoff team? No and the answer is no. But will you enjoy when it's the second quarter and it's like 10 10, like it was last year with Tampa and Washington, where Washington wasn't really a playoff team, but they were hanging with Tampa, you know, into the second half and you know, I'm I'm all for watching. Uh, now the Eagles obviously would be painful for us to, have to see them win, but I'm uh, I'm all for it. I, I, I'll tell you
1: this full disclosure: if it's 75 degrees and sunny in Miami on Sunday, do you think I'm going to care about watching the Eagles? No. Oh, I thought you were saying you would uh, drive to Tampa and go to the game.
0: No, I'm not driving to Tampa to go to the game. No thanks. I'll, I'll say this: I'm I'm pushing for the for them to make the playoffs. Uh, all, all 16 teams make it so the giants can make it
1: stop it. Don't even. Okay. So, all right. The playoffs. All right. I want to start with the NFC Packers are the one seed, but why don't I trust the Packers? And is there really any single trustworthy team in the NFC right now as you see it? Because I, I just, I know I know Tampa Bay has had the injuries and I know the Packers have been great all year, but something about the Packers leaves me cold. And I just, by default, I'm looking at Tampa and being like, they've got 12 under center. They've got, they've got mostly the same defense as last year. That was really good. I'm leaning towards Tampa Bay. Why should I trust the Packers and why is it the Packers year?
0: So I think you, you, you have a bias against uh, the Packers and Rodgers. I, I, uh, I don't know why. Maybe you didn't get the, the discount double check. But it's very easy for us to fall back on recency bias. And we've, we just saw Brady win the Super Bowl. We've seen him win many Super Bowls in the last several years. And Rodgers hasn't gone to the Super Bowl since 2010. So it's just, it's been so long since we've seen the Packers advance that far. I think Packers bucks will, uh, would be an incredible NFC championship game. And, you know, I can't really predict who would win that game. If it got to that, I'm sure the spread would be, you know, one and a half or something like that. But we just, we trust Brady as, as a, well, Election he's been to the, he's get
1: to the Super Bowl over 50% of his of career.
0: So. so that's just what it comes down to, is we trust Brady to make the Super Bowl. And that's why it feels like Tampa can just do it. And they very well could. Um, but the Packers are a really good team. Uh, offense, defense, I think they're, they're still getting guys back who have missed time. They're still getting, uh, they just got back, Tiari back on the offensive line. Um, and I think the other kind of underrated thing for Tampa is like they just lost Godwin and Antonio Brown in the last three weeks like I I don't I get it's Brady and I think they just scored in the uh, 40 plus against Carolina but I mean that's a big chunk of what their offense was this whole season and, and last year also like it's it's you don't just replace Chris Godwin and Antonio Brown with you know Cyrus Grayson or whatever his name is, and and Scotty Miller and Tyler Johnson. Um, now, nah, they're not. I don't think they're going to lose in the first game. And you still have Brady, Fournette, Mike Evans, Gronk, and the defense on the O line. So like they're still stacked. But I, I do wonder if if we see a little a little bit of uh, some underperformance from Brady in the playoffs. Now with the Packers though, you can also say like why is it so hard for teams to just take out Devontae Adams? Like you remove Adams and their receivers are Alan Lazard, who I personally happen to think is really quite talented. I I like him last year. Also, I just, he doesn't get a lot of playing time, but he's very good. Um, But so Alan Lazard and, and, you know, Marquez Valdez Scantling and their tight end is a no name and you have two really good running backs, but it's like you would think a team could just kind of just double team Adams like, all the time and make Rogers beat you with someone else and see if he can or not. So when there's a team that has like one alpha weapon, it's like, if the defense could just kind of take him out, what can the Packers do? And I would say the same thing for Mike Evans, who's obviously not as good as Adams, but like, if you just like take out Mike Evans, make Brady beat you throwing to Gronk and Cameron Braid and Tyler Johnson and and you know, run it with Fournette. Like you want the Bucks to run it 30 times with Fournette and not have Brady throw it 40 times. So both teams, I feel like you it's like it's hard. It's not like the Chiefs where you have Kelsey and Tyree and Mahomes could run, although even the Chiefs don't really have a good like second receiver. But um oh, the Bucks last year with
1: Stinks, what's his, with, his name? Godwin, um, Paul Harvin
0: Stinks. DeMar- Demarcus Robinson, yeah. But the Bucs, like, last year when they had Brown and Evans and Godwin and, Four- and Fournette, like, they have Fournette last year? Yeah, yeah, they did. Um, Playoff Lenny. Like, you're right, you're right. So they just had, like, so many guys. How do you stop all these guys? Now now it's like, uh, you know, the Bills also kind of same thing with, like, Diggs uh, and yeah, guys, there's still Gabe Davis. The Bills may have the best set of, like, secondary receivers of all the teams with Gabe Davis and Sanders and Beasley. Um, so, I don't know. I, I like the Packers, uh, and I hope we get a Packers-Bucks matchup. So, that going from
1: one one seed to the other one seed? Yes. I
0: and would say
1: – The Tennessee yeah, Titans. Ahead. Are we sleeping on the Titans, uh, given the fact that their point differential wasn't really that good? Or should we be like, oh, this team is tough. They're getting their guys back. They may get Derrick Henry back. This is actually a great value pick to get to the Super Bowl. It's funny because if I, I think
0: if the Packers played the Titans today, it would be like Packers by you know seven and a half and and
1: like it would be around a round of touchdown like, spread.
0: Yeah. So I, I, I've also been like I haven't bought into the Titans yet. In like the last three years, like when they and I all know, they've beat. done is win. I know it's crazy, and like they beat Lamar in the playoffs a couple years ago. I was shocked. Well, that's
1: and... not saying much.
0: Okay, okay. well, um, you know, what? you get a giant Ravens matchup next uh, next year.
1: Wonderful, and, um, it's gonna be the one game they win because Lamar
0: stinks. <laughs> you said the Giants would win, and now oh, my dog. So, uh, the Titans so like I'm shocked. That they ended up as the right. one seed. I'm not even sure how that happened. I feel like if you had asked me what their record was this year, I would have been like, I feel like the Titans were like six and 11. Like, I don't even remember them winning games. They were so, 12 and 5. And the fact that they lost Derrick Henry early in the season, which I thought when we last spoke was right after the injury. I was like, this the Titans' whole team was based around Derrick Henry. Like, how are they going to win games without him? And then, like, Julio Jones was also a non-factor this year. And A.J. Brown Brown missed a month. I think it was last week. And A.J. Brown missed a month. And it's like, how did they end up as the one seed? And that, to me, going back to, like, I just thought of, like, to me personally, the talent on the Giants was better than what the performance was. You want to say what team, what team's coaching elevated the performance? I have to give Rabel a ton of credit. Like Coach it's not like Tannehill, year. not like Tannehill is Mahomes, where it's like, well, the quarterback, you know, elevated the whole team. It's like it's Ryan Tannehill. He didn't even have a good season either. AJ Brown didn't have a good season. Julio Jones had a horrible season. They didn't have Derrick Henry, and like I can't even name two players on the defense aside, outside of Janaris Jenkins. So I like, I don't but know Dupree, how Dupree only see.
1: because he signed the big deal last but year. Dupree.
0: Yes. And he just got arrested. I think. Nice. Um, but he, so I'm still sleeping on the Titans. I, I don't know who they would play. I, I know the NFL recedes, so we can't really say who they would play, but I, I still would probably not going to pick them to win their first playoff game. Um, although Julio and AJ Brown are back and Derek Henry, I think will be back. So now all of a sudden you're looking at like last year's version of the Titans, I guess, plus Julio. Although I don't, Julio is, I think is probably should retire after this year. I think he's done, but um, you give me Henry and AJ Brown and, and, you know, Tennessee at home and the defense is good. Why, like why they've done it numerous times in the past. Like they, why can't they beat you know, Buffalo or, or new England or Cincinnati or Kansas city, whoever they're going to play. So I don't think, you know, I don't like them to come out of the AFC, but it's like I've already been wrong on them so many times that you know, I I, I don't say with great confidence that like Tennessee is a sham and they're going to get killed in their first playoff game. Like I can't say that anymore.
1: It's I would lean I would lean no. We'll get to that as we preview the um, as we preview the bracket in a second, but it, it's. It's crazy what they've done. And the fact that they're the one seed 12 and five, that that there's no team, you know, a one seed hasn't had five losses in a long time. So it just goes to show you that this year, when I asked you about trustworthy teams, like there are no trustworthy teams, like all these teams kind of stink in a way or in some way, shape or form. And, and it's hard it's it's hard to figure it out so let let's let's try and figure it out right so we're gonna start with the nfc right packers are the one seed as we mentioned um we've got tampa against the eagles we've got the cowboys at uh against the 49ers and we've got the rams and the cardinals as the four five matchup right the cowboys are the three uh tampa's two um Pick a non-top two seed from each conference that you think can make a run, meaning they can win at least two playoff games. And, okay, so but before we do that, we've got Chiefs and Steelers in the two in the two seven. We've got the Bills Patriots is the three six. The Bills are the the three, and the Bengals Raiders uh, is the four five. So again, I repeat the question: one you know, you know uh, not top two seed that can win two games in the playoffs and make a run from each conference? Who do you think? Given what the bracket is, what do you say?
0: So I think the the winner of Arizona, oh, I guess they reseed us. I can't tell. The Rams-Cardinals winner would potentially play the Niners-Cowboys winner. But I guess that's not set in stone. Anyway, between those four teams, I can see – All four of them losing this weekend or winning two games. Um, Although
1: that's assuming I guess one of the. I can't see the Cowboys winning two games. Yeah, so that was under
0: the assumption that if the Cowboys beat San Francisco, that they could play Arizona or the Rams. I know they just lost to Arizona, and I still like the Rams better. But could I see them beating the Rams or Arizona? Sure. Um, But I also think. I guess it would be Arizona or Dallas would maybe play Green Bay. So then I wouldn't. So that's the issue. It's, it's because you don't know who's winning the first round. You don't know who they're playing the second round. But the Cardinals and Rams, as you know, I've, I've, the Rams were my pick preseason. They haven't really looked great as of late. Um, I'm, still, I'm still high on the Rams. I think they could win two games. This is, this is assuming that these teams don't play the Packers uh, in round two. So I think the Rams could, the Cardinals could. San Francisco would be pretty surprising. Um, but I, I think they have like, like Debo Samuel is like incredible. Uh, I, it's like, it took me a really long time to accept that because he was producing in such non-conventional ways. But he's incredible. Their, their running game offensive line is good. Brandon Ayuk is good. Kittle's incredible. And the defense seems to be pretty solid. So it would really come down to Jimmy G. Um,
1: so those teams and Jimmy James did big games. And he's won yes. big games.
0: He has. Um, and in the AFC, it's kind of a similar situation because you don't know who's going to end up playing Kansas City uh, in the second round. I think any of these teams really, aside from the Raiders, could beat the Titans in the second round. Um, so I don't think the Raiders could win two playoff games. I don't think they'll beat the Bengals, and I'm sure no one does. Um, the Bengals, I could see winning two games, New England, if they were to be Buffalo again, I don't know if they play the chiefs next or if they would play the Titans. Um, but I, they could beat the Titans and, I don't think um, New England can beat the Titans. I think, I think they can beat the Titans. Like I just, I just spent 10 minutes saying like, why I'm not going to doubt the Titans again. But just did. they could, like they could, I think they could. What, what would the spread be? Titans by four and a half, maybe five and a half. No, it's gotta like, be, it's gotta be closer Lawrence, to six, six and a half. Has if, if you're, if the Patriots are coming off a win versus uh, at Buffalo. Ah, uh, um, but I guess we'll see Who, who's oh, the chiefs. said Buffalo obviously can win two games. Um, and so, so you would think I
1: Buffalo, was, but the pro the problem is, is that the chiefs didn't take care of business against that game in Cincinnati. Right? And and didn't get the one seed. So like it's gonna be can Buffalo go into Arrowhead. I mean they I think they could, but the team I'm looking at in the AFC to win two games Uh, is the Bengals.
0: Of course, of course, that's what you're gonna say. Um, yes, they could. Now I can't name a player on the Bengals defense. So to me, it's like if Barrow has a bad game, the Bengals could lose by 20. Could borrow have uh, could could, uh, could borrow? You know, the Kansas City's defense at home this year, especially the last you know two months, has been really dominant. So, I it would you know I would be a very impressive win if borrow went into Arrowhead and out duelled Mahomes. Um, that that would be incredible. That would be a great game to watch. um But yeah, I think the Bengals, the Bills, and you know. I, I'm not going to say the Steelers, even though I did say they would make the playoffs, and lo and behold, they made the playoffs.
1: Yes, you did.
0: You called <laughs> that. Um, I didn't. I didn't predict the way it would happen, but I think yeah, Cincinnati, Buffalo for sure could win two games. I think New England could win two games, but New England could also could lose this first game. I,
1: I'm circling. I'm circling Cincinnati to win. If I'm picking one team to win two games. If I had to like put my life on it, I'd pick Cincinnati and I'd pick the Rams in the uh, in the NFC who are not a top two seed. Those would be my selections. I don't I feel great do about not- either of them, but well, if I had to go with, you know, one from each conference, that would be my selection. You know who I'm rooting for on the Rams. Uh, of course. And to his credit, he's played well. Uh, that's because he is, he is a very good player. I, I think he is. He just needs to get his head out of his ass a lot of the time. All right. So now let's look at the board, right? We're going to go through the games each game. We're going to, you know, do a little predictions for each game. All right. We're going to start, you know, from the first game on Saturday afternoon, we got my beloved Cincinnati Bengals hosting the Las Vegas Raiders the line as ESPN has it right now is Cincinnati is favored by five and a half. The over-under is 49. What do you see in this game? Am I picking with spread? Or... You don't have to pick with the spread. Uh, if you okay, want to give us so... the spread, you can. You don't have to.
0: I- I'll, I'll obviously take the Bengals. And um, I think they will cover. Yeah, I,
1: am I don't that think, way as well. I can't imagine
0: uh, anyone really picks the Raiders here.
1: I am leaning that way as well. However, I, I will say this. We've doubted the Raiders. I know it's all true. year. And every single time they seem to you know shove it in everybody's face and kudos to them because they've had an unbelievable year given all the stuff that they've been through. Crazy. Yep but I am Um, picking the Bengals here as well. Another team where I can't name one player on defense. Um, And like the
0: the Raiders- Crosby. And, and, uh, right, Crosby. Raiders and Titans, uh, Raiders being another example, especially with this new coach who had took over for Gruden under, you know, not ideal circumstances. Like, who the hell is this guy? But another example, um, are the Raiders like supremely talented? It's like Waller also has missed the last, like, six weeks. It's Carr, Hunter Renfro, who looks like he was got bar mitzvahed last week. And, like, yeah, uh, Josh there. Jacobs. And, right, that's true. Um, but, like, he looks like you would find Hunter Renfro like a kiddish club. So, like, how, how are they in the playoffs? Um, just there are just so many examples of, like, coaching
1: staff elevating. You know what? Because, because we all crap on Derek Carr. That's, true, I, that's Derek true. Har, And he's a lot better than we give him credit for. He is.
0: It also could just be he's had his best season and he wasn't actually good prior to this. And now he's good. Hey, what's good? Sorry about that.
1: Yeah. Continue.
0: No, just like it's possible that cars just had, he just had a career season and it wasn't like we were all wrong all this time. He was average, you know, slightly above average. And now he had a very good season. And I wouldn't be surprised if next year he kind of reverted back to like average again, but can't take it away from him. He had a great season.
1: Uh, Very impressive this year. With all that said, I'm picking the Bengals. Um, I'd actually pick the Raiders to cover, but I think the Bengals advance. Next game, Pat's bills. Uh, Bills are at home. The line is four, favoring the bills. What do you see here? I will
0: take uh, – I hate it's just like negative EV to bet against Belichick. I'll take the Bills. And Go I'll right ahead because
1: I have no qualms about doing it. No now, qualms. I'm going to take – I'm taking the
0: Bills to win and I'm taking the Patriots to cover. And I saw um, – I looked up earlier today actually just because I saw it was going to be freezing up here next weekend or this weekend. But uh, Sunday or Saturdays uh, – Saturday's high in Buffalo is nine degrees. And I believe it's a night game. So it's going to be very cold. I think scoring will be, it'll be a low scoring game. What's the over under even like 42 or something. 44. So it's a low scoring game. I think the Patriots run it a lot. And um, I think that just is conducive to, uh, you know, a four point game or less. So I could see the Pats losing by three. Uh, um, you know, losing by one, just think it'll be low scoring, but I'll take. Uh, I wish I wish I want to say the Patriots, but um, you know, Josh Allen versus Mac Jones, I think, is enough of a mismatch that I'll, I'll take Buffalo.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna take Buffalo with the points to cover. I'm sorry, the Mac Jones thing, like, he's fine, he's a rookie. You know, they had that fluke game earlier where they ran the ball three times that it's not going to work another time. Like I, the Patriots, I'm just done with the Patriots. Like it's a nice story. They have a, a solid defense. Rookie QB looks like he's going to be competent, but it's just not this year. It's not this year. I think the bills win by, I, honestly, I think it could easily be double digits. Okay. And
0: the Patriots defense is, is very good. Not just, good.
1: I, I, I don't buy any of it. I don't buy any of it. All right, moving on. Sunday one o'clock Tampa against the Eagles eight and a half point spread for Tampa over under 49. Is this the biggest blowout of the weekend? Um, yes, I would say yes. I say no, but
0: I think it's part of the second biggest
1: blowout of the weekend. Yeah. I'll take Tampa with the points. Same. All right. Not much argument there. 4.30 4.30 Sunday, 49ers at Dallas. Dallas is a three-point favorite. What do you like here? Um, Dallas has, I,
0: I, they did score 50 points last week um, or two weeks ago, whenever it was against the Eagles. Maybe it was last week. Um, I am not going to take Dallas because that goes against my, uh, you know my fiber so I will take San Francisco to cover um, and I would like to see that
1: happen not only am I taking San Francisco to cover I am taking San Francisco to win outright to win outright oh, I don't yeah buy this, I don't buy this Dallas thing at all Dak doesn't look great and I know I've crapped on Kyle Shanahan a lot this year but there's just something about this team. And I think Jimmy G wins, wins games. Like he wins games. So I like the 49ers to win in Dallas. I don't care that it's in Dallas. I don't care about any of it. Give me the 49ers. I think the 49ers are a better team. All right. Yeah. Sunday I, 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 yeah, I missed
0: that. Um, I missed that Dallas was favored. So when I said San Francisco to cover, uh, San Francisco to win outright as well. Oh, all right. Um, so and game I, game. I, I look, I look forward to the uh, over under four and a half uh, shots of Jerry Jones looking very nervous at the press box.
1: Oh, go it's going to be fantastic. It's going to be absolutely fantastic. Sunday night, Steelers Chiefs. This to uh, me is the biggest blowout of the weekend.
0: Yeah. What's the spread? What are we talking like? Nine and a half? Well, 12, 12 and a half for, for the Chiefs. Yeah. That's a... Uh it's a big spread for a playoff game, but I This, I mean, is this going to be one of those games where it's like, no one believed in us and, you know, mid third quarter, it's, you know, it's like 13, 10. Cause it's not like the chiefs offense has really, I know they they've won like 10 straight games, but I still feel like the offense has not been what the chiefs offense has been. So I don't think it's going to be like a 41, you know, 10 game. But it, it's, you know, Chiefs defense at home. I think they just played Pittsburgh at home like three or four weeks ago. Yeah, and they, they won was, by
1: close to 30 points.
0: Yeah, yeah. The defense um, is just no match for Roethlisberger. So I'll, I'll
1: take the Chiefs to cover. Likewise. I, listen, it's nice that Ben walked off a winner in his final regular season game, what it looks like. It's crazy that they got into the playoffs. But I don't think anybody in their right mind, really thinks the Steelers can keep this close. And if and if that's – if you're betting the board and that's the way you lose, all right, so be it, right? Fine. But, like, there's no way you can take the Steelers in this game. None. You know what it re- kind of reminds me
0: of a couple of years ago when it was uh, Chiefs-Texans in the first round? And I think the Chiefs were heavy favorites. And the Texans were, like, up 21-0, like, in four minutes. Somehow. Yeah, but they
1: had a lively quarterback who's one of the five right, right. best quarterbacks in the league when when right yeah, like and, right
0: everyone everyone's like, what the hell? How are the Chiefs down 21-0? And then I think they ended up winning like 48-21. So I, I could you know it wouldn't shock me if some crazy stuff happens. The Steelers are like up
1: seven nothing or something like that. But uh, yeah, Chiefs Chiefs the cover. And finally, the Monday night game, Rams hosting the Cardinals. The Rams are favored by four points. The over-under is 49 and a half. I don't love when it's the divisional matchups in the first round.
0: Um, Did the Cardinals sweep them this year? I don't even remember. I want to say they did. Um, I will take – I wonder how many Arizona fans will travel to L.A. for this game also. There aren't that many Arizona fans to uh, begin with. That's true. That's true. it's in L.A., so it's rammed by four and a half. Oof. I four. will take four. Uh, four. four. I will take Arizona to cover. I don't know, I, I don't know who's going to win, but I think the chances of Arizona winning or losing by three or two or one are, are high enough. So I'll take
1: Arizona to cover. It's a tough one. This is the one game I have no feel for. I have no feel because, you know, Stafford, you're looking at his at his season totals close to 4,900 yards, 41 TDs, right? And all this jazz. Cooper Cup basically had a 2,000-yard season, 16 TDs. Beckham has looked good for them. Uh, yeah, they can't run the ball, but fine. And they have, you know, Jalen Ramsey and – and Aaron, Aaron Donald are two of the six Miller. best defensive players in football. And there's something weird about this Rams team that I just can't. Yeah, I know what it is.
0: It's because they have Beckham.
1: And it's not, no, I think it. it's just, it's like.
0: Yeah. I mean, Stafford has just not really played well for like the last eight weeks or so. Like he hasn't played poorly, but the first like couple months of the season, he was an MVP candidate. And then he just, you know, throwing a lot of picks and pick sixes, which I know are, are a little fluky and random, but it's not like the, the Rams have been giving off very uh, confident vibes for us. Like, like the Packers have, or I guess not for you, but. Um, and the no, funny I,
1: thing is, is that they've won games.
0: I right, know they right. had
1: that rut where they lost, I think like two or three in a row, but they've won games up until last week. Yeah, the, the Rams are good.
0: The Rams are good. And I think they have the potential to, like, if they were to put it all together, they could beat Arizona. Um, but they just it seems like they haven't had one of those games in a long time. Um, but it's like, Arizona, is Hopkins back? Is he coming back? Is he done? Uh, because, you, like, without
1: DeAndre Hopkins, who, who, who are no you chance. sharing on Arizona? He's not back? Um, no, I, I'm not 100% sure. But I thought there was a he, chance, but maybe I'm wrong there. Um, yeah, I probably would have heard more about the Rams it. And hold my nose and just go off the fact that Cliff Kingsbury at the end of every season that he coaches kind of falls apart. And so I'm going to take the Rams to win and, and cover the four. I don't love it.
0: Got it. Okay. He's, he's uh, questionable, Hopkins is, along with J.J. So like it, Hopkins doesn't play, who who are you fearing on Arizona? Like I get James Conner has had a great season, but you know, it's Zach Ertz and AJ Green and Christian Kirk or Cooper Cup, Odell, and and Van Jefferson, who's who's not bad. So uh, I'll oh, man, I took the Cardinals, didn't I? I'll say I'll stick with it. Cardinals to cover.
1: All right. So we're gonna get you out on this because we've we've run a long time in Shy you know obviously it's always great to talk to you and we always uh, give you <laughs> the people what they want super bowl predictions let's do it the um, game the matchup and who wins i'll go with
0: um, it's probably going to be a somewhat popular pick i will go with chiefs over packers I am um, rooting for Mahomes versus Rogers Super Bowl. I would like to see that before Rogers retires. So we probably only have a few more chances. Um, I think I'm hoping it's Packers Bucks in the NFC Championship game, and so obviously I would I would think the the Packers might would win that. And hopefully it's Chief Bills in the AFC Championship game, and I think the Chiefs would win that. And I would love to see Packers Chiefs. I don't think, wait.
1: I, can it be Chiefs Bills in the. Yes, yeah, so that's what I, I think. It all depends on how the title game. I
0: don't think so. Can it not be? I
1: don't know. The two, three, be, I'm not sure.
0: Um, who knows? Well, either way, Chiefs over Packers, Mahomes, uh, Chiefs get their three years in a row. Mahomes beats Rodgers. It's an all time classic game, double overtime, 37 34.
1: I am going to take a um, – my, my selection is going to be a repeat of last year. Except this year I am picking the Chiefs to beat the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Okay. That's my selection. I don't feel good about it at all. I have absolutely – if my confidence level in this in this futures bet is a one on a scale of one to ten – but Chiefs over Tampa.
0: It, um, I think we all know that Patriots bucks would be a great storyline, uh, although probably a bad game. Uh, but
1: it would be. It mouth. would be. Intri-
0: would be intriguing. That
1: would be the worst. Be- the two weeks coverage of that is would be the worst. Be the worst. Right. I- Ugh.
0: Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm really okay with uh with Packers or Rams or Bucks, and then Bills or Chiefs, uh or you know, like yeah, Bengals aren't going to make it, but um any of those five teams, I'd be um, okay with the Bengals. I just don't think they will get there. Um, uh, but yeah, that, I mean that would be I'd be okay with there, the Titans. Maybe, I'd be okay with the Titans. But, um it's not not super exciting. Uh, but yeah, I guess Derrick Henry in the Super Bowl would be fun. And I guess if the Bengals got there, it means they won three games, so that would probably be exciting too. I, what I really am just hoping for is that we don't get some very important COVID player missing a game. Like oh please, you know, oh please. God forbid. You, you think you know. do
1: you think they're gonna test anybody <laughs> the next three weeks, next four no, weeks? No. They, they I probably, mean, college football, you're telling me nobody had it. Nobody even had a symptom. Right, they were in right. Miami, they, they were doing all this stuff. No, ch- they're, they're not testing anyone.
0: They're probably they're probably giving a pregnancy test instead of COVID tests so everyone's negative. But yeah. like just imagine like a Rogers or a Brady or just like, we
1: Never get that happen. tweet
0: on. get that tweet on Wednesday, like Rogers COVID protocols, he's out.
1: Never gonna happen. It's never gonna happen. Yeah. They're not gonna
0: test that. It, it should. That's
1: true. They really should have. All right, Shy. This was wonderful. I'm glad we are in better spirits than we thought we were gonna start the show with. Even though we ran long on the Giants, it was good stuff as always. Good to chat with you, and we'll. Um, I'm sure we will text a bunch during this NFL playoff season, which should be fun—more fun than the regular season. Good stuff, man.
0: Yeah, and I I would expect the Giants to hire a GM. Um, by the end of next week. And so a coach probably shortly after. So, you know, two weeks, two to three weeks from now. Well, uh, there's going to be a lot more to talk about. Hey, one last thing is I, I was under the assumption. I was going to be able to read like a draft promo who sponsors this podcast.
1: Oh, bet, bet online. Uh, bet well, online well, uh, they, they got, they got their shine at the beginning of the show. Uh, damn. I, I had my whole spiel planned. All right. Awesome. Well, Next time, next time, I'll let you do the read. Okay, great. That's a deal. Awesome. Good stuff, Shy. I'll speak to you, bud. Okay, bye. Thanks again to recurring guest, Mr. Shy Elberger, for coming on, giving me a lot of his time talking about the New York Giants, a very different Giants conversation that I thought we were going to be having, considering the news broke right after I recorded my monologue, which was good. Previewing a little NFL, the playoffs talking about week 18 in the format good stuff from him as per usual that's episode 139 for the love of the game take us out hope.